0: and checking those films off our list and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at Lal Jeremy or check out my website, jeremylalonde.com for more information on me and my projects. If you like this show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the thatshelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 109, and today I'm joined by Nicholas Corella, who's an actor, writer, producer. You've probably seen his movie Prodigals, and if you haven't, go check it out on iTunes. He's also been on series like The Good Doctor and Base Motel. Also joining us is friend of the podcast, David Tompa, who you've probably seen on Odd Squad, The Handmaid's Tale, The Expanse, my movie, Sex After Kids. And last but not least, friend of the podcast, Mark Weingust. And we sit down to watch a film together. Uh, so, we're sitting down to watch Take the Money
2: and Run. I'm Jeremy. I've seen this m- movie several times, but not in a long time. Uh, I'm Nick, and I, until you asked me to watch this movie, I'd never heard of this
3: movie. My name is Mark, and this is one Woody Allen film I still have not seen.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm Dave. Uh even though you just mentioned it, I can't remember the name of the film. That's how little <laughs> that's how little I know about this film.
0: Take the
1: money oh, right, right, and run. And run yeah.
2: See, I know the phrase. <laughs> Actually I was talking to somebody about this movie. I was like, I'm gonna watch this movie. And they're like, What's it I'm like, I don't know, it's a Woody Allen. I'm like Bank robber or something. Yeah, I, said, I was like I was like that's what I said, I just said bank robber. Yeah, I don't
1: even know. But yeah, because I couldn't remember the title either. I, I even forgot there was a Woody Allen film until you texted me earlier today. Oh. And and said something about Woody Allen, and, and I was like, oh, oh, cool. Uh, yeah. The thing that got me is that I, there's, you know, y- you mentioned or someone mentioned that this is like a seminal comedy film that me, you know, that, and I was like, what? There's some seminal comedy film that I haven't seen. Well, you
0: know, I don't want to give too much away because there is something that's very seminal about it, but it'll, I mean, you'll figure it out right away. Okay, but I kind of want just you to experience what that is on your own. I'm excited without me tipping the hat of it. We'll seminal talk, we'll means lots of semen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's tons right. of semen. <laughs> hey. Thanks for ruining it. That was what know. it was. <laughs> no, seminal basically means that like it guess. kind of like creates something. You know, it, it yeah. starts anyway. But I won't give that away because that would okay. be part of the conversation for sure.
1: Great.
0: Uh, I mean, it is Woody. Allen. So technically, it's Woody Allen's second feature director. Credit because just before this, so he just before this, he did a movie called What's Up, Tiger Lily. But really, all that was was uh, they had bought, and I can't remember the name of it. But they had bought in some kind, some Japanese um, James Bond ripoff, right? Thriller spy movie, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it was it was already shot in, in with Japanese actors, and they ba- and basically all Woody Allen did was rewrite. Um, all the dialogue in English without using any of the story or anything from the original. He just took what was in the scenes and wrote a whole new script based on the movie they'd bought and re-recorded new dialogue with American actors and he directed like the voice recordings and that was basically it. Hmm. So technically that's his first one but in terms of like a live action actual proper filmmaking... This is it. This is it. Oh! How can... Wow. And this came out... and, And he hadn't really... You know, wanted had desires to be a filmmaker, but his experience on Casino Royale, which he wrote, like he was kind of one of the great joke writers of his, and he was young, you know. Right. Um, and so he uh, had such a terrible experience on how that turned out, and what happened on it, that he said, "I'm directing the next one. Like, I can't possibly make it worse than what these people did with right. with my with my work." And so he, uh, and then he got carte blanche, he made it cheaply enough that he was able to kind of get the deal where, and he's always had it since then, where he basically gets handed a bag of money to make a movie, he makes it, and no one, no one's allowed to give him a single note that he has to take. That's amazing. People give him notes, but he doesn't have to take them. Right. But, 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 but with the guys that the budgets stay under a certain amount of money. And any reshoots or anything like that comes out of his salary. And that's
3: stayed to this day. Hmm. Lucky, yeah. Hmm. So, the so, out of like all the Woody Allen films that you've seen, like I, you said that you hadn't seen this in a while. Like, where do you figure it ranks out of like forty films he's made? Yeah, exactly. I
0: mean? And I've seen them all. <laughs>
3: Twenty-six.
0: <laughs> oh no! I mean, in terms of oh fuck, I don't know. I couldn't. I. I mean, at some point, maybe I should sit down and rank them all. Name four that are worse. Oh, God, I can name a lot more than four letter words. Okay, so then we know it's that it good. said. Okay. It's not, well, Which was no, the worst
3: one? Which was the, the worst thing. one? I will so I can...
0: say that it's like. This is. so. The, I mean, if you know Woody Allen, uh, you know that he has these different phases in his career, right?
3: Where it's just like. What? Finding his voice. Well, then, finding
0: his voice, but it says that the earlier films are just very, very kind of uh, segmental and really just jokey. They're almost like sketches strung together. To f- and then the plot is kind of secondary right? right they're more like a series of sketch shows with a very loose thread and that's you know that's Bananas that's Sleeper that's all of his really early films until Annie Hall where he kind of has but even that you could argue that it's, it's pretty segmented mm-hmm. in sequences so it's really probably not until he gets to uh, Interiors and Manhattan and movies like that which are just following on Annie Hall <coughs> and then he goes through a period where he wants to be taken very seriously you know, and he starts doing dramas and whatnot. Crimes and Misdemeanors. Well, crimes and Misdemeanors is half and half, but I'm talking about, like, Another Woman and Interiors. <laughs> and Stardust Septem- Memories. <laughs> well, Stardust is a comedy. Sleeper, yeah. uh, September. You know, movies like that or they're just straight dramas. There's no fucking laughs. Like, after he did Annie Hall, he did Interiors, which is just a straight drama, and everyone's like, what the fuck are you thinking? Hmm. You know, you just completely... But that was his point in his life. He's like, no, I want to... It was like Dylan with an electric guitar. Yeah, it is kind of in a way. But so, so this is like his very early phase where he's just—he's still—he's used to just writing, because he was the kind of—he—he he got his um, start on the Sid Caesar Show of Shows, mm-hmm. and he was like 17 years old, I think. And he read somewhere in like a New York paper where it's like some comedian would buy jokes for how like a dollar a joke or five bucks a joke, whatever it was. And so every day. After school, high school, he would write, like, 25 jokes and send them in. And they would buy most of them. Right. after a while, they're like, can we meet you? And he, brought, he came in, and they're like, who the, who the fuck are you? Like, he's a child, you right? know? Right. And so, then eventually, he wanted to tell his own jokes, and he just he slowly stumbled in every phase of his career and what he did, because he got sick of other people butchering
2: what he was doing. Sure. Uh, leading up to this, which is... You know, you gotta, you got to admire... Somebody for better or for worse who wants to just have their vision executed, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think about that all the time, um, in terms of like, especially with notes or things like that, where you or like when things are even produced by committee sometimes or whatever, where everyone has a say and you end up with this watered down version of a movie instead of like, you know what, this is the thing I want to ex-. like No one says it to a painter, right? A painter paints something and people are like, that's great, or that's shit, or that does nothing for me, yeah, and that's fine. Whereas like sometimes how with like filmmaking, it's like we have to try to figure out who's gonna like it. You well, know You can argue that it's like
0: it's it's a lot more expensive to make a movie than make a painting. So that's part that's True. part of that. But I think it's right. It's like I think it was um Texas. a lot more people too. A lot more people. I think it was Soderbergh or one of those guys or one of the Duplass brothers that said used the painting metaphor too. And he's like, you know, they said filmmaking is the only art form where you're kind of like Forced into these confines of time and space and that kind of stuff, like no one goes with Picasso and is like, "Hey, almost done with the red, because we really got to move on to you painting with orange right now, or we're just, or you know, yeah, yeah. we're gonna fuck the day." Right. <laughs> you know, nobody does that. Nobody asks for the compromises you ask for in
2: in film. But then, but then, but then to follow, I don't know. I don't want to argue. I don't know how many. More brilliant paintings there are than brilliant movies, or percentage-wise, maybe no, or, for sure less. It? But I think the point I'm just trying to make is just that, like, if something's supposed to be an art- artistic expression or uh, an execution of your point of view, well, and you want to at least be judged on your actual point of view.
0: Oh yeah, you know for what sure. I mean,
2: like you know, not someone else's point of view. Yeah. Like I mean, we were talking a little bit about auditioning today, and I kind of feel that way about that all the time. I'm like, right, just yeah. let me fucking. Not get the part my way, instead of getting not getting the part your way, please, you know. And so you know, you know, like you know, so so, you're
0: responsible for it.
2: Yeah, at least it's like whatever. Let me let me be held accountable for my terrible decision. Uh, Speaking of which, we're not going
1: to get it anyway most of the time.
2: So like,
1: let me let me do a little art right now. Yeah, or show you something that you might not have expected. Yeah, totally. Instead
0: of your paint by numbers, that's what I always get excited about when I'm you know on the other side of the audition table and watching, because I find that, I don't know, eight out of 10 people, maybe often nine out of 10 people, come in and do a variation on the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's when that one person comes in and it's like, oh, here's a different interpretation. And maybe I actually wanted what the nine out of 10 people were doing, but the fact that this person came in with like a different kind of spin on it, my brain goes, well, I know they could do the nine out of 10 thing, because everyone can do that. But they're also going to come with new ideas and fresh things that mm-hmm. I'm not going to consider. And that's what I want. I want a collaborator. But just, if you think back, how many of those 1 out of 10 people did you actually
1: end up hiring?
0: Most most, most of the time. almost Mostly, that's the people I end up hiring. 9 out of 10 times? 9 out of 10 times. So you <laughs> no, but it's... Yeah, but it depends on the part, how big or small it is. Sure, if it's sure. a small, like, one-line part, you just want the person to come in and nail it. Right. But if it's, like, a, a bigger supporting part, it's like, I want someone that's going to come in with ideas and is going to make it better.
1: Right. This is what we're talking about, that most of Toronto is day players. Like, most of what we turn out is day players. Mm. And so that's why you need people to be off-book. You need people to just be the doctor. Yeah. Or whatever it is. It's so that they don't have to worry about them on because they're going to be worrying about the leads and the... And, uh,
2: yeah. And, and nobody people. knows yet that they want like a weird, loud loudmouth, fat Italian guy who's gonna make a really weird choice who looks like he's gonna cry all the time until they see it. The <laughs> way, and 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 then and, and then and then like and but the same thing I was gonna say, not to compare myself to Woody. N- Allen. Nick's describing himself. No, okay. uh, yeah, but uh, but uh but I think about uh like something like Woody Allen is like unless he has that free reign to just make the movie, you don't even know you're gonna like a movie that's barely held together, as you said. i I'm just use it. Barely held together. It's almost a series of sketches that you're not sure why you enjoy it, but you like it. Like, if someone is saying to you that you have to, this has to happen by the end of the first act, and this has to blah, 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 this is it, you only, would never know until yeah. you saw it.
0: And that's the magic, and it's the kind of thing where it's like, and I think I appreciate that in, in most of the filmmakers and writers that I really like, that it's like, they're going to do something special. It's not always going to hit, but it's always going to be interesting. And you're going to get something that you wouldn't have gotten... Otherwise, yeah, and that's what
2: makes them kind of <laughs> special. Yeah, yeah. And I was gonna say not to jump because I sense that since we're getting ready to watch the movie. Would we be? Would it be irresponsible of us not to talk at all about Woody Allen, like I, as a person? I, I don't want to bring the artist. I, 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 I'm, I'll be honest. Hate in
0: relation to this movie, I'm not interested in that conversation because I don't think it applies to anything to do with this movie. Sure. Uh, and it's not even like an art versus artist conversation of separation and whatnot I think you know that whole thing is you know paired in such opinions and things there's nothing is ever concrete in that story in particular compared to others that I think it's just it's just a boring conversation to talk about you know who's you know he said she said all that kind of stuff so
2: that's just my kind of feeling on that but I appreciate you asking Yeah, I just wanted to, like, I don't know, before you get, like, the Twitterverse and everything, after, you know, whatever, I don't know. I don't know how many people tweet at you, but, uh, you know, I just, I just, I I wonder sometimes just about, at least if there's, like, an acknowledgement, or we just would be like, okay, we know this is a thing and we're not ignoring it, but we're ignoring it for the sake of watching a movie. Yeah, I mean. We're not ignorant to it. We're not ignorant to it, uh, but we're not watching Manhattan which I think would be
0: a film that you have to have that conversation if you're watching. I see. Right. You yeah, know? I so. yeah. to, to that yeah. purpose. Like, this
3: is still early on in his career that like this should be, like, and I it's wouldn't say subject you. matter. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I've, I've seen the beginning for this film so many times in class, but I haven't seen anything beyond that. But knowing that, it's like, okay, having that conversation, that's for, like, later on in his career, post-Danny Hall.
0: Sure, but also, and it's just like, and that's just a different conversation than talking about the work itself too And that's just mm-hmm. A different thing Yeah Yeah Anyway right. That being said Let's watch a funny movie <laughs> Oh it's <laughs> funny no, no 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 It's one of the serious ones Oh okay. yeah correct. Let's all go to the lobby To get ourselves a treat
2: Alright <laughs> okay, we just finished And Well everyone's looking at me Yeah While well, you're at the end of the Well the look uh,
1: it's definitely early, it's definitely early,, yeah, oh, in sure. terms of the filmmaking itself, and let alone like the execution of the comedy, which is really hit and miss. Uh, and, and I think it's not just um, the type of jokes, which, you know, I laughed at a bunch of places, and I didn't laugh at a bunch of places where there was a joke. but also like, you know, the, at the very end. This this whole buildup, and they're having the conversation. They knew each other, and he's holding him up, and it's kind of funny. But you can see the guy's handcuffs.
2: I saw them too, and then I was like, "Oh, maybe it's The whole time,
1: it's like you just that can't it. It can't be on purpose, I don't think, because it dimps the joke. So yeah, so then it's just like a bad mistake, and then like the sound quality is really weird all over. Well, the I place. want to talk yeah, about that. that for might sure. just be the
3: restoration. So, yeah. I have no oh, idea because. Especially in the beginning, like, I'm seeing the, the film just, like, jump around. Right. So I'm not Some sure the if they just said...
1: Also, how much of that was improvised? Because the parts wow. that are improvised are, are range from, like, better than nowadays improv and horribly grading, Like, for me. Greta, so you like loved The film? Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't love the film. Uh, but but it's, it's, like, despite the fact that I didn't love the film, it's wonderfully charming at points. Like where I can, I would watch this and I'd be like, I don't know, but I'll look for the next one that this guy does. Yeah. That's, that's how I, that's how I feel about it.
2: Yeah, uh, going down yeah, the line. Go. Oh, sure. I think yeah, I said. Yeah, get initial I love Just your initial
0: takes, and then we'll jump into. Uh, yeah,
2: because I was going to say that I I had high hopes. So my wife Michelle is a big fan Woody Allen. So a lot of things I know about his filmmaking I could see here that I would love to dive into later. But it was one of the things that uh, uh, honestly. I had higher hopes, I had higher hopes, like, oh, maybe it'll be funny, maybe it'll be really funny, you know, and then there was, like, times where I was, like, and that first, especially with, uh, like, the sight gags, like, the recurring joke of the glasses, I'm, like, okay, I'm going to love this movie, and then, yeah, it did fall a little bit uh, short for me, but again, I'd love to talk more, like, you know, get the initial takes and talk more about certain moments, but, like, yeah, um, I'm interested to see other movies that came out in the same year. 69. 69 was the year it came out. Yeah, because in terms of like, I mean, obviously right. there's filmmaking stuff that was like weird or whatever. But you mean comedy stuff? Yeah, yeah. I wonder because yeah, maybe, maybe it was like what super, was the sense super humor back then. Yeah, I wonder if it was like like really like groundbreaking in terms of like style of comedy.
0: Or right. I mean,
3: it's, it's very like early mockumentary. Like it. it really, that was actually something I really well, appreciated. It I it was this is the first
0: one. It's not necessarily the first mockumentary. It was the first one that had a, a, a wide release. It kind of—it was definitely one of the pioneers of mockumentary.
2: That and that was one of the things that I definitely thought. I'm like, that's probably why if people—if that's what like, we're talking about—seminal or important that way. That I actually thought that the execution of the of the mockumentary, the way they did it was really interesting. Actually, to be honest, I felt like more successful than uh, when Harry Met Sally. Do you know what I mean? Like in terms of mockumentary style. Stuff, oh, you know, yeah, you know, I wouldn't consider it when Harry Met Sally. I know, but you know, do no, you know I mean? but, but you know those elements of it, you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess yeah. this was like cause it just fell in and out of it being like how could it have been a mock like a documentary with all the like, you know, private moments that were on film.
1: Oh sure. But that yeah. I mean that happens that happens anyway. Like if you sure. like this is
0: Spinal Tap, there's all sorts of moments So it's like, right. why are you filming this? Right. Uh so just looking at the, the comedy of 1969 the things that come up are uh the Italian job I don't know why oh, that's I think considered. we're looking at the
3: same website I'm also trying just like hello
0: dolly God. uh
2: not, not paint your wagon my dad loved that movie so this feels like a, like I mean if you consider the time there's probably a real like alt comedy
0: Oh this is definitely like and, you know, take the money and run this on there. Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, which is a great movie, if you know that movie. Uh, I mean, this is definitely... Um, it's it's falling right in line with, with counterculture. Like, Easy Rider comes out the same year. You know, right. so I think it's also, you know, it's... I think this movie does well because we're starting to see the breaking of the, the studio system and things that are just a little off the cuff that you're not expecting. So something like this is arriving right in time... Where it doesn't necessarily need to have a linear storyline. I mean, Easy Rider was the movie of that year, right? Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: When's Blazing Saddles? Seventy four. So significantly after. Yeah. yeah, but but this is but taking the money and running, I think is after producers. So if anything. So yeah, 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 yeah. I
0: mean, Mel Brooks is already operating at this point because
1: yeah. this feels. Uh, I mean, there's overlap with this in like a mm-hmm. Mel Brooks kind of movie. Hundred percent in terms of. the the, the type of comedy,
0: yeah, but Brooks came out a little, with a little more polish, I think.
3: Sure, this is his. Well, they're in the same cloth. Right. Like they work on Sid Caesar's. Like they do. Yeah, yeah. It's just like watching this kind of movie. I try to put myself in the mindset of like like watching it back when, like '69, that kind of era, especially with comedy. And I found myself laugh, laughing a lot at the jokes, a lot of the psych acts because. It, it it's just like um, the f- the physicality of the humor and just the subversiveness of just, you know, it, it just goes the other way of what you'd expect it to do. Yeah. And it's funny of the way it's being portrayed by Alan, by everybody else around him, and it, it fits it well. This is why it's like, uh, last year when I was watching uh, my first Harold Lloyd film, I was watching Safety Last, I couldn't stop laughing. Like, I was thinking like, okay, back in 29, thinking the the kind of humor that they're doing, the physicality takes to commit to it it's perfect it's great I'm not saying that this movie is amazing you can definitely see a lot of Alan just like tinkering with his style tinkering with his humor and still coming to terms with his Jewishness which you know goes on throughout his entire filmography but it, it's you know it, it's not bad like first like directorial writing and acting all in the same
0: yeah I mean I look at this and it's, and it's by far an imperfect film Mm-hmm. you know but it 's also when you think of first films coming out of filmmakers there 's a lot there 's a lot of interesting really unique things going on where you, i think you it 's easy if you think of you know audience goers in the six in 69, and sixty nine and and Woody Allen is starting to become kind of a name at this point right he 'd had a successful stand up career by this point he yeah. uh, and that was kind of what he was known as was a stand up so nobody's going into this movie as an audience member expecting to watch, you know, any kind of, you know, big, you know, Lawrence of Arabia type movie. Yeah, nothing know, that, sweeping, nothing big idea. Yeah, are. their expectations are not ridiculously high for this movie. It's they like a,
2: a something for him, a way for him to like do his bits. Almost like a Saturday Night Live movie, where it's yeah, like, you know,
0: I think, you get to do all the jokes. So from the their sketches expectations are pretty low. So, but I think what you what what. what you come out of this watching this and I know when I, because I definitely didn't see this first when I saw his movies. This is one I had to track down and find a VHS for. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, but I think, I remember watching it going, oh, you can see the blueprints. You can see, Mm -hmm. like, the voice, which is unique. Which is the way when I look, and just the way he sees the world and sees comedy is something like, I'm just starting to get into uh, Simon Rich, who, um, He's a novelist and also created the show Man Seeking Women. He has a new show called Miracle Workers Out. Uh, and I'm late to reading the actual writing, but I just started reading my first book of his, and literally after the first short story, I was just like, this is the most... It's the way he sees the world I, I'm so jealous of. And I think you look at some some of the bits, and we can get into specific pieces in this. Uh, like, I look at one of my favorite bits I think I've talked about in the podcast before is the bank robber where he has the note with the typo. Oh, that's great. Right. Yeah. That's a great. Right. <laughs> you
2: know, it's a great sketch, great. right? Yeah. Right? And you know, it's but it's very... and
3: actually all it, vignettes.
2: Yeah, and it is done well. Actually, it's funny when you mentioned the other writer there. It's like, I feel like that when I read, like, David Sedaris, you know, when you read something yeah. like that, you're just like, different yeah. worldview. And actually, that was one of the things I did think about when I was watching this film, where I was like, you know, uh, do you guys all – do you all see the documentary, the Woody Allen documentary that yeah. Netflix put out a couple years yeah. ago? Yeah. so I was like – so that really opened my mind about his – like Woody Allen's worldview. And he's like, you know, him like constantly going after the fact that, you know, atheism or like um, things like that. It's like these are all things that he really is going through. And maybe that's another reason why some of his work really uh, talked to people too. Like he's like he's talking about things in a comedic sense that were like – things are really troubling – People, yeah, like oh, we're all gonna die, and maybe there's nothing out there, and like in fact, it's like maybe life is just this horrible joke. You know what I mean? But like, you know, that,
0: it's like Woody Allen is 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 what you get when you take uh, Ingmar Bergman and the Marx Brothers, you know, and you put them <laughs> together. That, that's I'd love to see
2: that orgy. Oh man! But well, that's you what just, it is. You just watched it. You just yeah. watched it. But
0: that's what it is. It's like, and, and and this isn't necessarily the best example of that. You get that as he goes along. But that's kind of the perfect blend of Woody Allen, where he has this slapstickiness to him. But it's married with some deeper thinking, and yeah. this movie doesn't necessarily get into the deeper thinking of it. But it's also like the way he just does a quick one-liner joke too, like the uh, like one of my favorite quick throwaways is that after 15 minutes I wanted to marry her, and after 30 I
2: completely given up on the idea of stealing her wa- her purse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. great order. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that so that's something I want, uh, wanted to touch on because there's so many sequences where they clearly didn't record sound or they recorded really poor sound, and then they he went and I think very honestly he wasn't sure what he and this this is just, I'm putting this together from stuff in that documentary that I was talking about and other stuff I've read is that you know when you were talking about the reshoots in our kind of preamble. Not only like he plans to go back and reshoot for stuff that's missing and coverage that's missing and like lines that are missing. Like it's in all the actors' contracts that work with him. I was talking to an actor named uh, Brian Markinson, uh, lives out in Vancouver, who did Sweet and Lowdown. And it's part of it. It's like part of it is that he can call on you for two days at any point to come back and just reshoot stuff. And so he relies on his editor so much to like go and be like. Woody didn't ever get a turnaround on this, or you didn't, whatever, or this scene makes no sense. And he'll literally write new scenes, and mm-hmm. they'll go and do it. So I actually think that some of those like montages, like the long walks, things that it was from some of those good one liners that come out of. He clearly was like, I need to fill this time with something funny. Yeah, you know what well, I mean. You know, and wrote it afterwards. And I think that's why we're talking about some of the like that voiceover and improv. It's like it's like at sound quality. It's like I think I really think they went and shot with no sound a lot of time.
0: Well, in this, in the case of this movie in particular, the editing was was crucial, and the editor, well, and and I think he gets a giant. He wasn't necessarily the editor, but he was the I think the film editor consultant is the credit he gets it is Ralph Rosenblum, who is a famous editor of that era. He did like the conversation. He has a really great book he wrote too called "When the Shooting Starts, the Editing Begins" or something, something of that ilk. It's a great, very famous editing book, um, and he was brought in the movie when it was finished. Uh, I think it's Palomar Pictures. Whoever whoever financed the film, uh, this is like this is an unwatchable picture. Like he's <laughs> made a giant steaming pile of shit here, and so they brought in Rosenblum to kind of just deconstruct it and figure it out. And they had the mockumentary style in place, but he had Woody completely rewrite all of the the, the voiceover. Uh, changed the ending completely. The ending originally had like a Bonnie and Clyde-type death sequence for him. Um,
2: (laughs) Which I actually might have loved, actually. And
0: I don't think they actually did any reshooting, because I think they didn't have the money for it, and and he didn't have that in his contract yet. But this is the kind of movie that makes him go, oh, I should plan for that, and then I can fix things outside of just having to do in post. I can actually go back and reshoot things that didn't work and and fill it that way. But in this one, he was you know, a lot of the, the stuff that he cut out when Rosenblum was going back through and go, going through the footage, he's like, some of the funniest stuff you didn't even put in the movie. And so he went in, like, whatever narrative structure the film does have is largely accredited to Ralph uh, to Rosenblum for kind of teaching him how to make
3: a flow. So go. once again, an edit saves the day for, an, for a career. You think but, back to like Star Wars and how right. uh, like George Lucas's wife was really the one who saved in the edit for him. I don't. Know, I don't know that story oh. i I don't know that story off the like like fully, but it it's just like there was so much footage shot, and I think his wife went to him and he's like uh, and she's like, George, this movie doesn't make sense. you need to like knock it down to like this, this, and this, and that's basically in in a nutshell how Star Wars was saved, and it like, huh. you have no
2: beginning, so let's just say this
3: is part four <laughs> <laughs> essentially <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> Uh,
1: to, but did you say that he went? So Rosenblum reedited it, and did,
0: they did all the blah, blah blah. And then Woody Allen went back in and inserted some of the best jokes. Well, they did as part of it. Like he went, Ralph Rosenblum While went through all of the footage right. that they shot, uh, and, and and basically did like he didn't rewrite your script, but I think he basically did it as a, you know a, a paper edit, going do this, right. Like, you get rid of these pieces, or put this piece against that piece. Like for example, I think the parents, uh, they used, they didn't use most of the parents stuff. They, they could have used less. In my yeah, opinion. for yeah. sure. Those really,
1: the, the week, for it, me, it the oh, the parents are the part job. I liked the, the most about the movie. Well, and I mean, uh, that's what he
0: went. He said, "Look, he said you should use uh, that uh, more, and you can, and you can kind uh, uh, of."
2: They were repetitive jokes, but I thought the dad. I, they were clearly I, the improvising. Was, I to See my stamp dad, collection. They were
0: only improvising,
1: <laughs> and the dad
2: was a bully, and he wasn't funny. In oh, that's what from you see. As, as an improviser, sure, somebody, you were sure. like, I can see that too, because she was brutal. But even the way he got out of it, I was like, don't use fancy words in front of the people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's all,
1: it's all like stuff you've already heard before that are all like pat, boring. Well, now you've heard it
0: before, mm-hmm. but in 1969, had you heard that stuff before? Well, I didn't live in 1969. Exactly, exactly. like you were only one. 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 You were only but one. But those,
1: those are those are like common defense mechanisms in improv sure. You get yourself out of a situation mm-hmm. when you don't have an answer and you she panic and didn't. you just say things. She stuff. was skilled. She
2: was skilled. At- she was
1: very skilled, and she was also very patient with him.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so what were you, you mentioned through. that you, you there were some improv bits that or bits that you felt improv that you felt, loved?
1: You, well, sure. The, so so when it started with the mockumentary, I was like, oh, okay. That's, this is early for that, I think. And then the first three uh, people that were being interviewed, I was like, I buy all those people. I buy them as they don't look like they're trying to be clever. They don't look like they're trying to be funny. They, they look like they're a bit lost being on camera. And it's great. And it works perfectly for a mockumentary style. And that's my major complaint with most Uh, modern day mockumentaries is that it doesn't feel like someone is being interviewed.
2: Everyone's at the same cadence as like Modern Family, right?
1: Sure. They're witty. They're clever. You can see that they're having fun making stuff up. And also they're, almost all the time, their subtext is what I'm saying is true. Mm. Like that's the tone of how they Mm. make up all their bullshit is with this subtext of this is true, this is true, this is true. And no one speaks like that. That's not anyone's subtext when they're being interviewed, yeah. except for someone that's lying and making stuff up. <laughs>
0: and that's and, and they
1: didn't do that for the first three. It was really good until the parents came on and there was a shit show. Yeah, yeah, from my point of view. But Oof. it's interesting
0: because because there's there's quite a, there's a few times in Woody Allen movies where he repeats that technique. Uh, there's the movie Zelig, that's the documentary style there. But then there's also a couple of, like Sweet and Lowdown, I believe. There's some documentary things that are cut in. Uh, into it there's a couple there's at least there's those two I think there might be one or two more Uh, but every time like he does it's such a great job of
2: casting those people that feel like real regular people that don't feel like actors actually I love that about a lot of the cast where I was like I felt like half the people they found off a truck you know what I mean Uh, but I like that about uh, especially the mockumentary folks until we got to the end where it felt clever like the guy with the toothpick who was talking about you know, yeah, it got way, worse as it went yeah, on. Pushing the oh, joke, but but like people, yeah. The, yeah, his first teacher. Actually, I loved the. Oh, uh, maybe again, okay, this is a word of, well, of different taste in comedy. I loved the uh, psychiatrist. Describing the yeah, uh, so the cello like while watch. the patient is listening. Oh yeah. It, yeah, like <laughs> you know. But I, actually, in some of those scenes, I really liked watching the like extras, like the the or like the guys in the chain gang who didn't get to say anything who were like having like, like their mugging moments on camera. <laughs> I was really into like watching the side uh, thing. But but the guy talking about the cello and the phallic cello because first I'm like a cello is not phallic. It looks like a woman's body it was the first thing actually I thought. Right. And then when he got into it, I was like, this is great. And then he the words this. I I can't imagine, well, maybe Woody Allen fed him, but uh, some of the words he was using about it being conflicting, like just so perfect, like technical doctor speak that sounds like non-judgmental, but is so clearly depicting a gross action, do you know? Yeah, Uh, but
0: then he instantly judges the person that's sitting in the sink lying down beside (laughs) him. Yeah,
2: Yeah, that was a good one. He was good. I liked that guy as well. Yeah, he was great. It was great, but I, I'm surprised. You know, like, so I was gonna say, like, why I think one of the reasons why I like like the dad too is like I just really like. I feel like there's not these like old. When you find these old actors that just kind of like give it, you know, they're just like interesting people and they speak in interesting ways and they like have interesting voices in terms of like they found so many of those in this movie. Like, I really enjoy that, you know. Like, it's like when you watch like uh, who like the Coen Brothers or whatever find really good. Real people, do you know what I mean? Or like, or uh, what, what was it? Uh, Alexander Payne's movie, the one, the black and white one, Nebraska, right? Like, you finding people that feel like real, interesting faces, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Eventually, it became. I mean, it's a staple of, of Woody Allen's movies too. And, and his casting director that he always uses uh, is you no. Know, she has a read right interviews where she says she has like just a drawer just full of headshots for him, right? An interesting looking people and faces, right, 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 because that's always what he's looking for in particular.
2: That's great. I'm actually sometimes surprised too, like, I know last time I was here I talked about how I didn't like watching Bill Murray kiss people. And I felt really bad about that afterwards because Wait, I watched... Yeah,
3: which, which film in particular? It was
2: Scrooged. And then, and oh. then, and then, and then, and then when I was talking about... Uh, then I watched the documentary with Bill Murray and realized what a cool person he was. I felt so bad. But everything I said <laughs> negative about watching him kiss. But I was surprised at how attractive I thought
3: Woody Allen was at points.
2: He was considered a legit sex symbol at one point.
3: Yeah, Incredible. You, you said like during the dressing scene he does look like Peter Sellers. And you, I, I yeah, I can see that too. When he took his glasses off, he totally. the I was doing a bit. Totally, surprised. totally. He, he looked
0: like he, he had a weird rock star quality to him yeah, at what? one point in his career where it's the neurotic
3: Junis of out of him.
0: Well, there's
1: a confidence yes. to
0: him. He's clearly intelligent. It was just
1: like every time he was kissing his the poor woman that was playing his girlfriend/wife <laughs>
2: She couldn't I mean, act right. She, she
1: she was she was trying. She was just trying to. get... It looked like she was just like going into the safe place in her mind or something. Like, she was just meditating while he was like just kissing in the sex scene. Just, just, just in the sex
2: you know? scene, I thought they had actually like they had they were fine kissing in life, but like <laughs> in the sex scene, I actually it did seem like you like she was like really, really. You know what I mean? Like you know, he was a bit because that was a bit weird. But the thing is that I was surprised at like that that he could play kind of like that leading man, and I found him kind of good-looking and attractive until you see him run. My God, this man cannot. He runs comedically. it's fantastic. You, you, run, you think he runs comedically? I think he cannot run. Well, that's the point. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if he's
1: trying his hardest or not. I don't really care. He's just... When he runs, it's awkward and funny. Yeah, he's it's doing thrilling. that. Yeah, yeah,
2: he's doing it on purpose. It's great. There's a lot of slow running in this movie, though. It, it, well, that, but that one part uh, where
1: you, it's a super wide shot outside the prison wall when he's making an escape, and he's running fast in front of everyone, he's booting it. Like, he's going really fast in that, in yeah. that shot, in there, too. But. He was, he's an athletic guy. Like, yeah. he was always a sporty kind of guy. You know what surprised me the most? He's a ginger. Yeah, you didn't yeah. know that? No clue. Yeah. In, my, in my head, he's got just black hair. And certainly no freckles. Well, maybe. brown for sure. In my head, well, dark brown or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but no, no freckles for sure. And this is like, so when he, they were showing him as a kid first, and this is a redhead kid with freckles. I'm like, uh, I, that's obviously too yellow because of the
0: glasses. But like, but that's like what the fuck. But there's a, there's there's tons of his movies where he, he casts like a younger actor to play him as a young age. Like Annie Hall has a, a ginger kid playing I just him. Don't remember that? Huh. Yeah. I just didn't remember it at all, at all. Seth Green plays, like, yeah, his younger counterpart in 20. Radio Days. Oh, that's great. Great casting. Seth Green, he's like the lead of that movie when he's eight years old. Wow. And Woody Allen isn't even in the movie. He just does the narration for it. Radio Days is a great movie, too. It's, it's a beautiful film about nostalgia. I haven't seen
3: it. Oh, Radio Days is great. So then having watched this like years later, you know, like last time you've seen this, what do you like pick up any new things or just
0: no, you know it what it is it's kind of like when I look at this is like I kind of let the flaws just wash over me because there's they're the rest of tons of the filmography, of there's just yeah, but it's I think with this one it's just kind of like going to see a concert of a band I love and I just want to see the greatest hits. I want to see the parts of the. I I don't, I don't want to think about the part the songs on the on the record I don't like. Right. I'll just kind of like grab a drink that, during that point or go to the bathroom, and my brain turns off. But it's like I want to see the greatest hits, and for me in this movie, the greatest hits are like the gub scene. <laughs> uh, and even though some of the jokes when I watched it, I'm like, yeah, it's not as amazing. But first time, like the first time I watched it, and he and he he does the 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 mock when it, 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 it basically ripping off Dillinger escaped once by carving a piece of wood and using shoe polish right and so he's he's done a bar of soap here and of course he would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for the damn rain you know like I was just I remember the first time watching and going that's I don't know if I I laughed out loud but it was one of those times I'm like that's very funny you know and I think there's a lot of those just little things like the physicality of the folding shirt machine (laughs) right that looks like it could take your fucking hand off
1: yeah I think that would have been funnier to me if I already knew how those were supposed to work. Because as I was watching it, I'm just like... "Oh, It doesn't work at all. What's supposed to happen here? Because, well, I mean, but when it's used properly, it's a wonderful machine that's a phenomenal mechanical engineering feat. Yeah. Folding a shirt. But as I'm watching, I don't know what's supposed to
2: happen. Yeah, you know they needed just one person to train them. This is how you put it in. Or, or, I, or, someone or, Here, or some. that supposed or to. Or go. another yeah. one working beside him, and the person. Sure. Just like yeah, yeah. He's doing it. like
1: 40 in a row, and Woody Allen can't get the first one. You know, but because I, it, and it's still funny. It was. But, funny. but it's also a mental thing for me as I'm watching, going like, but I want to know how this is. Uh, this is cool. I think this is really cool. I want to see how it works. Yeah. I want to, you know, and so that's it was a bit distracting in a way.
0: Yeah. And for me, there's one scene in particular that I think influenced, like, me as a writer uh, in terms of just writing comedy. It's the scene when, just before they go to the bank robbery and he's talking with his wife and he's like, where's, and she's like, what are you going to wear? He's like, I'm going to wear this shirt. It's like, it's in the laundry. He's like, oh, I was going to wear it to the, I just love the mundane yep, yep. of that going on Inside this, you know, something that's so much more important and just, the, just the de- those little details I like always took away going, oh, I love that. I love kind of picking apart the minutia of the stupidity of something and and, Actually, and, what, and what you can mine from that.
2: Clearly written, like that's it's funny and written. That's what I mean. Like that, that one I I, I would agree. I thought it was a really funny sequence because, especially when they built from you should call your friends, see what they're all wearing, was great. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I thought that was really, yeah, like building on that joke was really funny. Like, I, I like again, that was a great moment. I actually thought that some of the stuff too, like the bank, as oh, was a bank, bank the um, well, I love the bank stuff, but um. Breaking out of prison, like the huge shot. I laughed genuinely. He was like, hey, how could no one told me? Yeah, where yeah, are yeah, you guys? <laughs> but it was like yeah, a huge shot doing... of the wall and stuff. It oh, we make... called it off. Yeah. Can someone sneak out and let me back in? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Funny, right? Uh, be, it's almost like I would have loved almost to see a whole movie of him just breaking out of prison. Over and over and over again. Do you know what I mean? Which kind of what it was. But it would have been... I liked it. I thought, actually, you know what? It almost had a... Reminded me of... Uh, it must have definitely, I thought maybe some of the sequences influenced Roberto Benigni in Life is Beautiful. I know that sounds crazy, well, but it's not, it not see a see lot of that sort of like is, is a images. Similar
1: image. sort of buffoonery. Yeah, yeah sure. You know?
2: I mean, like, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot less Nazis in this movie, but, you know, I just like thought. Zero. I, yeah, zero that's right. Nazis yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well that we know
0: <laughs> No, Which for sure, but I think I think I i I'd be shocked if Benini wasn't a fan of Alan's and wasn't influenced by him to some extent. I mean he's in one of his later movies, he's in um
3: the Rome one. Yeah. To Rome with Love, I think yeah. it's called.
0: Yep. Yeah. He is in that one, One of the lesser definitely the lesser comedies, but still interesting.
3: What I really love about the way it's filmed is that there's so little shots. There like there's barely any coverage to go over some of the jokes. So example like the him breaking out of prison. Uh, when he doesn't find out about the plan. Again, going back to just that wide of the wall, it's just like you don't need a close-up of every other prisoner. You just have the voiceover. It's like, hey, he didn't find out about it. And everybody joins in laughing. Yeah. And then you get... Well, uh, it
0: lends itself to the mockumentary format where where you wouldn't... I mean, you could argue in this one it stretches credibility because like, where yeah. are these cameras and why
2: are they following him? Yeah, 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 for sure. Some dumb jokes. Another dumb joke I loved... Was when he put a camera in an inconspicuous place, it was in the loaf of bread. I thought was I funny.
1: hate that joke. I hate that joke because <laughs> there's no logic to it. There's zero, there's like, I'm not don't even mind. a hole. If you want to use, yeah, exactly. If you want to use a loaf of bread, great, but like, what's going on with this loaf of bread? Where's the camera? Where's the hole? It's a burst of expectations. It the, makes it? funny. He's holding it right up to his face. Yeah. It's, and, and if you're going to do that joke for me, the way that he did it, I need it. I need it for a half second and then that's it he's, he didn't mind anything by well, doing the it well the following joke out. Oh, a I, <laughs> I
2: agree I just thought I laughed I, was like, <laughs> I didn't, laugh I, didn't I didn't anticipate at all he's like I had a camera in inconspicuous place and so the camera yeah. pushed, but it starts I'm going like, over this way and I'm like okay where's the camera going to be what's the gag but and then heck, I cut out to him with the bread yeah. I died and yeah, I think no, and that's and, 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 and I think, I think that's, that's the, cut away from it immediately yeah sure yeah. yeah
0: and I think that's just in the nature of com- modern comedy editing versus then because I think back then it's like people were probably laughing at it, so they let it sustain, right? Uh, where now it's just like, I think now, if you were to take this movie and go, just paste it up for modern comedy, you'd probably cut fifteen minutes out of it without losing How a How long scene. was that movie? Eighty five like eight, minutes.
1: Felt long. Yeah. Eighty five.
0: Eighty five min- minutes is not long. <laughs> no, but it feels long because the stre- the moments are stretched out yeah. more than you would now.
1: Yeah. Well I love a good stretched out awkward moment, like where it's you know, everything lingers too long and it makes you uncomfortable and then you laugh.
0: But that's not what we're doing. That's not what this no. is at all. But there's also there's also a lot of really great quick hits like I love the quick stupid bit about her smuggling the egg in. You yeah, know, yeah, that's, that's fun. Do that, was funny. Uh, yeah. Him being, uh, you know, the being uh, patted down in prison, and he starts giggling. Yeah, that's
2: hilarious. Yeah, I really like that. Saw that coming too. though. I didn't see that one. Oh, like, is didn't know, I didn't pat's see that coming. pats
3: first guy down. down. Pat second guy down. I'm like, clearly he's gonna be ticklish, right? Right. No. Like, but yeah, I didn't, oh. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't no, that. But that's a style of comedy that just like it's it's. Uh, laugh after laugh after laugh after laugh it's just like joke, joke 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 and see what sticks it's the same thing of like what the Zuckers would do in airplane or what Mel Brooks would do in blazing saddles it's just you keep getting bombarded by these jokes yeah and if you don't like this one the next one's coming, coming right, right back
1: but, but that's really that that's not how this film struck me at all it it seemed like there was a, like long sequence and then a quick semi unrelated joke and then long sequence and then a quick semi so there are a lot of them but they weren't fast and furious jokes in the same way that it would yeah. be for an airplaner.
3: Or- yeah, I can I can see that, but it, it's just like with each joke being a vignette, and then you know, hearing how really this has been edited in like such a like I wouldn't say Frankenstein, combobulated way.
0: No, it's Frankenstein. I mean, I look at this as him just really experimenting with a whole bunch of different to- yeah. tones and styles and yeah. types of comedy. You know, he's got your you got your physical stuff. You got the you got the stuff that's very Chaplin esque of him, like trying to figure out the water in his shitty apartment yeah and then it ends with that, one of my favorite visual gags is him walking, walking out, the out and the music changing and
2: then he walks back in and pants back and you see that he's still got the towel on that was a good surprise yeah it was a good moment yeah. <laughs> good surprise actually um, that was something else I was thinking I, I also I really couldn't help but feel like they shot this movie and realized they had 60 minutes total and that they were stretching out sequences. Like, those long walks... I, I, I really feel like that whole romance, re- like, you know, the long walks and the voiceover, that was all added post. Like Oh, like, for sure. But, but, but post but like in the fact that like, they're like, oh my god, this movie is too short. Because to get it to 85, I think they had to do that.
0: Oh, maybe. Yeah, because there would have been a minimum broadcast or theatrical requirement, I imagine. And 85 feels like the number. I mean, so imagine being his investors and being like... It's 72 now, isn't it, for a feature? I mean, I think I think now it's... Uh, well, yeah, anything, for over
2: broadcasters, 60. anything over 60 is fine. Mm-hmm. But still, it's like, when's the last time you watched a 60-minute 60, a 60 movie and a movie Dumbo. <laughs> 64 minutes. Dumbo, the Disney one? Yeah. Is it? I never knew that. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. It's too scary
0: for kids that couldn't watch it. It's messed up. I, I watched it when I was a kid a long time ago. I'm assuming the Tim Burton version is going to be much longer. Two and a half hours. What's going to happen? Twice the length. He's the- yeah.
1: Whatever character Johnny Depp ends up being, they're going to have a half hour he's dedicated to... <laughs>
0: What? He's Dumbo? Oh, God. to <laughs> <Mocha> capture <laughs> captured everything. Yeah,
3: mocap. He did the
0: mocap for it. You didn't know that? <laughs> no, I don't know anything. I'm kidding. I'm one. kidding. I'm... Okay, okay. But he's going
1: to be in it. He's going to be some character that's an important supporting character. And then for no reason at all, they're going to cut to a half hour of his backstory. Because <laughs> oh. that's what he does in every one of his movies with Johnny Depp. And it makes me want to vomit. We don't need to know that Willy Wonka's father, was a dentist. Shut up.
0: But then Christopher Lee. Put him in a, a different film. It's not... Okay, more. okay. We're getting way off track. <laughs> yeah. You needed to know that uh, Wonka had trauma, Dave. No. Not important. <laughs> You're right. Not important. Yeah, I don't
2: love the, the Willie Walker remake. No. I want to know about this actress that played his uh, wife.
1: I thought she was lovely and charming, but then when it starts to get more involved, do you English it's like was clear that she's very, very new?
2: Do you think her English is her first language? I kept thinking her English was yeah. not her first language.
0: Yeah, she. Well, that was she was the she. He wanted his actual wife to to play that part, uh, and his actual wife is the woman who is interviewed doing the the bit about how it's like. I think he's a genius. I just thought he was a schmuck. Oh, oh yeah. she was great, by the way. Yeah, it
3: was really good. She was so she funny. She has a perfect like um, pronunciation of Shlemiel, and I love it. Yeah, she,
0: well, she was married to him. So that's yeah. Louise Lasser, and yeah, that was his first wife, or I second wife, first wife. Uh, and she is in, I think
2: she's in Bananas. There's <coughs> a bigger part in Bananas or something. Well, I thought she was great. She was very really funny. She was a funny interview Because even though it was like a witty interview, you could tell, you know, she could tell she, she was did, an she actress. Did it well. Yeah, it exactly. Funny. You could tell funny. she was an
1: actress, but she did it great. So. funny.
2: I, I just should. thought, how could this person how could this there's something in there. Like he's just you know, he really played me, it just thought he was an idiot.
0: You know, like so far. <laughs> he really convinced me it was such
2: <laughs>
1: She really sells it. Because her point of view, you know, her subtext isn't this is true. Her subtext is I can't believe I didn't figure Did this out. Didn't realize this beforehand.
2: You know, it's it's so, he's a mastermind, it's so amazing. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah it it's great. It
0: was beautifully done.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you didn't feel you didn't feel disappointed watching it this time.
0: Oh and I know what this one is. You know, it's just like I know that it's like it's it's the first pancake. It's you know, it's cooked (laughs) unevenly in certain spots. You know, it's it's not gonna be the tastiest thing you're gonna eat that that more of a breakfast. But it's like there's But you can't get to the other ones without it. Yeah, well I mean I mean most people do, you know? (laughs) But that but that's just it. It's I think it's an imperfect film. But that's what's interesting about going back, I think. You know, th- this is also an era where you know filmmakers got a chance to make more than one film if the first film wasn't perfect. Where it's like we don't live in that era anymore, sadly. It's like people expect you to, you know, blow the world up on fire and be Damien Chazelle on your first time out, mm. or you know, good luck getting a second chance. You know, we just don't have. It's kind of sad now. Where, but like, you know, you look at Berman's first films and they're fucking awful. Mm. You know, and but those that was in time when. Less films were being made, and so you got a chance to kind of figure your shit out a little bit. But and they also weren't making shorts, so we make shorts now to kind of do that and work out our kinks. Modern
2: filmmakers. I was gonna say that for sure. What was fresh about this movie? I'm gonna assume at the time. But you're saying Mel Brooks was already making movies, but still felt like a fresh point of view. Do you know what I mean? That's what I mean. Like even though there was like like che- like you know cheesy. You know what? I, actually, you know what? I started thinking. I wanted to make this point, and I just remembered it now. Is that like I felt sometimes I was watching like a vaudeville show? Yeah, sure. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, oh, for sure. You yeah. know, just so I was like, oh, but because then you forget how all the writers, how old everybody is. You know, like not to be like whatever. Even when talking about 1930 yeah, in the movie, cool. it was like, oh, that was like a reasonable amount of time. That's like I was talking about like 1980.
0: Well, that was, like, Woody Allen was born in 1935. This is 69, so he's 34 years old at the and time. And he's
3: always looked like that for the next 30-some-odd years. That's just it, right?
0: But it's also, he was, I mean, that was the kind of guys that he was writing for Bob Hope and those guys, right? Mm-hmm. And, and he was a Catskills comedian at some point. He was mm-hmm. doing those kind of things. So that's the kind of that's a, that's kind of what you're getting to some extent, right? But you're getting. But I think what you walk away from and I, You know, we already kind of said this, but I think what you walk away from this film, going despite its imperfections, you go, it's like that person has a voice. Yeah. And this film not perfect. I think Dave said this really well. That, but I will. I want to see what he does next because I'm I'm curious and I'm interested. And, and the movie after this is Bananas, I believe. Yeah. You know? And I don't know if you've seen Bananas or not, but no. Bananas is, like a, is a great satire I've on on war. Like, he's playing kind of like a Castro-type character. But he's also playing... There's a bunch of stuff going on, but... He plays Fidel Castro?
3: No, 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 he's no, playing... a like Fidel Castro-like dictator sure. of a fictional country?
0: Yeah. yeah. Right, but he... But he gets mistaken for something. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. It's like a...
2: Yeah.
3: It's, okay.
0: yeah. it's one of them.
2: That yeah. makes more sense. I was, I was going to say, too, that... Um, Oh god, sorry. I'm talking about point of view. This is really good for podcasts. Just to forget what you have to say. Um, yeah, it's real. Yeah, it's really real. Uh, when you're talking about point of view, you're talking about banana. Oh yeah, this is the question. Sometimes when I watch movies like this, I, I try to separate myself I'm like I'm like, but do I actually I'm like, do I like it though? You know, I can I, we start talking about things about like the voice of the time and all that kind of stuff whatever mm-hmm. and then cuz I, I remember, you know, I remember a younger person than me one time saying like yeah but it sucks now. You know what I mean? Like you know like you know. Sure. So and and then part of me is like but are you supposed to like I should say supposed to. I I see value and appreciate something for its time right? Yep. But at the same time it's like I'm surprised it came out on Blu-ray. I'm surprised there's enough demand for it that people would still want to watch it. I was shocked too.
0: I've been looking for a copy of this on a digital format for forever and then uh, is it Kino lober Yeah. Who put it up? Yeah, yeah they had something, and someone actually sent it to me and said, hey, did you know this was out? I was like, oh, shit. Because <laughs> I hadn't watched her and I, don't have a v- I do not have a VCR somewhere. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I remember some bits being funnier than than they play now, for sure.
3: Sorry, Mark, what were you you going to say? No, just um, something that I talked about earlier about, you know, just putting myself in the mindset of, like, when this came out and, like, is it funny? I can't really compare it to how it plays in today's standards, in today's comedies. But what I always like is just being, again, being in that mindset and thinking, okay, for its time, this is really funny. Do I like it? Sure, it's fine. It's okay. Would I rewatch it? I don't think so. But it's important to actually look back on these times and see how these comedies were made, how they were formed, and how they, they were actually influential for its time. So think of it: if you didn't really explore this format, you wouldn't have your Spinal Tap, you wouldn't have your Best in Show, you wouldn't have. Um, I'm just trying to think of other mockumentaries: uh, Pop Star, or in a way, maybe not even Anchorman. Like you have like satires that make fun of, you know, uh, like let's say this: um, Take the Money and Run is a satire of like true crime documentaries about famous criminals, yeah, stuff like that.
0: Exactly. I mean, it's the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, if you put this on for a 20-year-old now, would they like it? No, without the context of history and and all that kind of stuff. It's like probably would not play very well, you know, but that might be true. But also, I think there's a lot of people that, you know, are of the younger generation that just don't want to watch old movies anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell. I I don't know why, because I, I don't, you know... I I'm, I'm a, I don't really care if it was influential or not like as an analysis of it that's cool but in terms of just enjoying the movie yeah this movie like I said it, it's okay. I got I got charmed by a lot of it overall and I didn't love the movie and there's a lot you know it was too long blah blah but there's there's something about it that's really charming and and that doesn't have anything to do with you know the the influence of it or like blah 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 there's you know you could see that there's something in there that and I think that I think that well, maybe that's just me, but there's
2: probably a lot of people, including twenty year olds, that would also be charmed by it. I would. I, th- I would like to think so. I definitely wanted to see where it was going. I think it, it lacked a climax. You know, I might have preferred a Bonnie and Clyde shootout. You know, and I, I, why is no one el- no one else likes it? I like it. I like yeah, okay. yeah, well, yeah. No, it, you know, just, I'd love to see the scene. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, it depends just how they do it.
1: Imagine how graphic you find
2: funny. out it. Find out it's just totally graphic. The reason they, they cut it out is just like she gets shot like eighty five times. He's like, oh, sorry, it could be
1: hilarious <laughs> if, you do it, if you do it right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, I think that's a remake. Uh, no, no. <laughs> they're, they're, no, not really.
1: He's, he's halfway through getting shot. He's going to ask her if she wants a cup of coffee or something. like Yes, yeah, that. what I mean, it's like, oh yeah, oh okay, some weird nonsense. Are you gonna
2: be okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh
0: the one fun fact is that they shot all the prison scenes at San Quentin.
3: oh, and oh
0: they God. used real prisoners oh wow they', they, they Those used, the guys in
1: the background doing the laundry stuff and everything.
0: yeah, all it's all real prisoners. I mean, they had actors in there with them mm-hmm. uh, and what they had to do is they had to put um stamps on the actors that were glow in the dark I had this special glow in the dark thing. So at the end of the day, they knew who they, they knew that they were letting out the right people to go home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh,
3: man. you got to think about the logistics
0: on that. <laughs> yeah. Also,
1: like, the fact that that gets allowed is
0: insane. Oh, it never happened now. No. But back then, for some reason, that was okay. Yeah, because the
3: whole movie was shot in San Francisco. And so they were amazing. shooting. Okay, that's why I was able to recognize, um, like, the restaurant scenes. Like, oh, that's the one from Vertigo. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you did say that, and I was like... What? Are you sure? <laughs> it's like, yeah, the right
2: background. The right background. It's like so iconic. You gotta put that in the IMDb goofs or whatever. I have not.
1: Not goofs, it's just the same No, no the trivia. Well, whatever. when he was cutting out the glass, you could see the whole crew, or I don't know if it was just random people in the reflection. Oh, I didn't see across that. Across the street, just
0: watching. I missed it.
1: And also, at the end, when they're all chained together in
0: the house with the old woman. But um, that's okay for this movie because there is a crew. <laughs> Right, Oh, He's there. there? You go. Well, it's a, it's a documentary. Yeah, but
1: I, yeah, no, it is uh, technically. Well, but not really.
2: <laughs> I those, say. All those scenes—they're those the, not. I mean, the conceit isn't fully realized because, as I said, there's like a lot of private moments. Not, were you not in anything more
3: than, than what it should have been. What are you? Were you expecting it to be like? To, you know, no. them totally hidden. It's it's supposed to play as that kind of documentary. trial crime style. I I don't.
1: I don't think that the intention was like let's make people think this is a documentary. No, it was just that was just the narrative structure. But then yeah. uh, none of those, almost none of those scenes outside of the interviews, make sense. Be, would be filmed. Yeah. If anything, they years.
0: feel like the way to justify it is they feel like recreations. Yeah. Sure. Know, in a way. Sure. It's like because you think it's like I mean. As Dave knows, Dave was in it. Dave, uh, you know, my first film was a mockumentary, and so, but I made very strict rules about how things had to be and had to look, and you had to believe that this kind of thing could be shot. I mean, Dave played the cameraman. Are you talking about Posh Part? Yeah. So the little pimps. So you so the camera. little yeah. bar. You can get it on yeah, iTunes, Vimeo, yeah, video, yeah places. Yeah, yeah. But I do the
1: voice. I also play the PA on the porn set. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: that's right.
2: Because you were on, yeah, on camera too. Well, I was going to say, if you, were role. The, if you were the cameraman, uh, for because this is a visual medium, just you know. That Dave was just stroking a fictional penis. That's what he does in the movie. That's what I
0: do in
1: the movie. I know. I it's I, the porn penis. It's very
2: funny. Dave's
0: very... It's really great. Anyway. I but really but that, in that movie, we were very... I was, because the whole thing actually takes place through the point of view of uh, the filmmaker's nephew shooting this thing. And he's not supposed to be great. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. But it's the only cameraman he could afford because he's free.
1: Yeah. It gets better as it goes along.
0: Yeah. but And, then, and, that's, and I kind of designed a visual arc to that, too. That, you know, may or may not be noticed or appreciated. But it's like, I know for me as a filmmaker, I was like, it was very important for me to do this in a certain way. And not just go. Oh, it doesn't matter how we shoot the scene. Who cares?
1: Yeah, different different time. But we also thirty clearly years. clearly didn't give a shit about. Yeah, it's, that. No, so it's forty it's years just the, after this the basic so.
3: structure to string yeah. it together. So, so was filming this episode basically a long con in saying, "Hey, check out my first film." <laughs> no, no, but but
0: it's also but but also you're giving a laundry list of all the things that are influenced by something like this, mm. and it was definitely. You know, my first film was a mockumentary. His first film was a mockumentary. I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to say that I was aping at the same time or even really thinking about it. I think I, I, you know, I had seen this film by that point. Um, But it's also the kind of thing where I think a lot of filmmakers, their first films, it's not uncommon to do a a mockumentary because the format lends itself to low-budget filmmaking without feeling like a cheat, you know. Also, you have an easy way to string stuff together. With
1: narration or interviews or whatever yeah. it is, you know, it's the same with Goodfellas, right? Where they had to save the movie by putting in the voiceover, and and it's just a easy, it, cheap way to
2: such bring, a good icon to, to over tell the
1: story. You oh know, I, no, it ends up
0: being what makes
1: the, the movie is right. fantastic. You know, it's such a such a brilliant choice
3: <laughs> after the fact, but
0: uh, yeah, I don't know if I knew that about Goodfellas. Oh no,
3: no. So yeah, now you learned one they, thing about Star Wars and one thing about Goodfellas. They cut it all together, they it's watched it, in the and edit. they're like,
1: we don't have a movie. And then they went back and wrote all the narration, and then turned it into the brilliant thing that it is.
0: Huh. Yeah, yeah the video in that movie is fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's, it's perfect.
0: It's got Ray Liotta's voice. Ray
2: Liotta is just does such a good job.
0: Yeah. Yeah, movie. he's great.
2: Uh, any any final thoughts on this? I would be re- sorry. I would be remiss not to mention that I also really enjoyed the performance of the fake film director, the German guy. Yeah. Oh, the <laughs> criminal. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I really, really appreciated that guy. And actually, I'll tell you something a little bit morbid because knowing what, what, what year this was shot, all I kept thinking so many times in the movie, I was just like, that guy's dead. That guy's dead. <laughs> that guy's dead. That woman's dead for sure. That guy's dead. I thought that the whole movie. No one else was. was Carpe dead. diem. Carpe diem.
0: There, there are know? people that think that when they watch older movies. Yeah, I,
2: I. I. That's not a. Never curtis, eh? I no. thought that so many times do the whole movie. I'm mean, like, I wonder if she's dead. The I thing, if I'm having those the thing
1: that strikes me for older movies is looking at the credits of the actors and going like. Never heard of that person, 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 never heard of that person. Like, all the way down the list. It's like all these people playing all these parts, and I have no idea who any of them
0: are. None of them broke out in any way. Yeah. But then it's also, I love it, like, especially for this podcast, I try to, if there's a movie I haven't seen, I try to avoid looking at the cast list if I don't know a ton about it. Because every now and then you just get dazzled with, holy shit, they're in this movie? Well, I thought Larry Hankin was a guy at the beginning. Is that his name, Larry Hankin?
1: Uh, was a guy at the beginning and I want to look it up to see if he was because he wasn't in the cri- like that character wasn't in the credits so I'd yeah, be
3: curious go. if it was a- like, I, I had a little bit of a geek out moment finding out like Marvin Hamlish was the guy who did the music for all of this and right. it's like wow that score is really infectious like we were seeing it right after the movie ended well was that, that one was Austin Powers is, oh yeah there's like one there's like one track that's like completely like a soul bossa nova in a different I wouldn't say in a different key but just very very similar and then like the, I think it was the same song no it, it practically is it, it, <laughs> it, it, yeah. and it's not the exact Dream same Warriors. it's real it's like 98% there there's like probably a few staccatos that are missing but it, it sounds exactly like that and then the other like interesting one that I saw was Walter Hill is the second assistant director Walter Hill being like um, oh, yeah. driver, the driver
2: they had a pretty good burn on you exactly. It was a pretty good burn when you're like oh really great <laughs> the world according to Gar. Really? Yeah. The World he was According second, to Garp. He's a second AD
0: on this? No, his second no. AD yeah, directed The World According to Garp. Wow, so might be able to things. make schedules
2: for his... I just got that movie edits. on DVD,
0: guys. If you want a double feature tonight. World According to Garp? I haven't Garp. seen yeah. that. Look
2: at that. Right. Notice the best part about uh, you inviting me to do these is that, honestly, there's a lot of movies I haven't seen that I should see. <laughs> it, you know, sometimes I don't even need to talk after, you know? I'll just like just come watch and just...
3: But I can't resist. I That's basically like what happens every time I come on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I just come right out. <laughs> uh,
2: but honestly, uh, uh, that, just touching on one last thing, when you said the thing about you don't do a lot of research before, neither do I, because I was telling somebody I was going to be watching this, and they were about to tell me something. I'm like, don't. I really don't want to know anything yeah. before I go watch this. But what she did say, now I'm going to ask her what it is. She goes, oh, no, there's a scene. There's a scene that you'll see in a million movies afterwards now. I can't think of what the scene is. Let me know. I'm curious. I'm really curious too. I wonder which scene it is. She's like, oh, there's a scene. There's huh. a, a scene. I was like, oh. And I was waiting for like this major trope I'm moment. just glad
0: there was someone else. I think this is one of those ones where I'm, I'm never surprised when people are like,
2: I didn't even know that existed. Like, I think your right. reactions. That's actually why, again yeah, when you said, I never knew this. I'm like, me neither. That's why I was like, someone bothered to make a Blu-ray. Well, you know, they sold one. Yeah, well I
0: mean Woody Allen is is easily yeah, you know, they do want to him. but it's like he's definitely uh unparalleled in terms of how prolific he is. Oh, you know, yeah. I think there's outside of people that were working in the silent era, you know, you'd be challenged to find a director uh who made a film every year for 40 years or more. You know, which is what his record is.
1: You yeah, crazy?
2: You could, to dream. Actually, I was t- so, so that th- actually, that's why Michelle always talks about Woody Allen. She's like, that's my dream. Just make a movie a year. Not even, she was if you make that many, it doesn't even matter if half of them are bad. You know what I mean? You could just keep making movies, right? And actually, it's funny because I was talking to, an executive who was trying to long story, but they were like literally like, yeah, okay, but you can make movies in Canada, get your funding, make a movie a year with your friends and have a life. But who wants that? And we're all like, we do. That's exactly. That sounds amazing. You what know? was that executive's point? Then he's like, oh, you should be whatever. Trying to sell it, just take yourselves off this project and and give it to someone in the states to make. It was, but that was there. That was there point was view. Weird. It was really weird. It was yeah. weird, but it was like a, that was that was the thing. But they were like trying to describe something that was shitty, and I was like, "That sounds like an ultimate." No, I've always dream. Thought,
0: I've always <laughs> thought that this would be the perfect arrangement. Something giving you a bag of money. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a huge budget, you know. I think a long okay. time the budgets for him was like two million, four million, but it's like he always comes in on budget. All the actors work for scale. All the actors work for scale. It's still the same way. Like the movies yeah. he makes are still around. Like the. Eight million, twelve million dollar budget range. They're not hmm. huge projects. You know, it's like *The Street and Lowdown* took him twenty years to get made because it was period, and there was all these extra things, in it—he just they wouldn't give him that much money. Hmm. So he couldn't just get anything made. He had to work within certain confines, but within those confines, he was given complete artistic freedom. Right.
2: Same financiers, right? I saw this—the first—the the names of the big managers. It was managers. Joffie and... Because um, they're on everything. Yeah, yeah, like- yeah. They're like the per- executive producers
0: of everything he does because they're his managers. Mm-hmm. And they kind of got everything going and started. And I think even... I think one of them passed away. And I was going to say, are they dead?
2: Pre- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're probably
0: dead, right? Yeah, but <laughs> I think they still get credit. I think he still makes sure they get credit. Uh, or he, wow. he, did, he did up to a certain point. He was doing that. Uh
2: Yeah. Sorry about the dead. No,
1: time. it's alright. You're just having a bit of a midlife crisis. It's oh, like, yeah, it, no, we all guys, go I
2: realized it. I was gonna die when I was four years old. I've been obsessed uh, with it ever since. Like, I, I, there's not a moment that goes by that I'm not thinking about. Like this could be it. Oh yeah. Any day I have a day that's not productive, I'm like, well, that's one of the days I just absolutely fucking wasted in my finite time on this planet. Yeah, I do that all the time. Wow. Yeah. Oh, if you, if you start
0: racking up all the time you've wasted this planet, you're. It's
2: it's not a good day. You think about like the hours and hours of masturbating when I was like fifteen. I'm oh, just you know saying I mean? you're like, talking <laughs> to you guys. This is time I'm never going to get back. <laughs> and on that note, click. Yeah. Uh, no. The final Thanks for sharing this. Honestly, I never. I can honestly say I probably never, ever, ever would have seen this movie had you not. Done yeah. This.
1: I would never have seen it. I'm not going to see it again. <laughs> I'm happy to have seen it.
3: Yeah. No, I'm just excited that, you know, I can start to slowly go through his filmography, hopefully with you, because there's a lot that I just haven't seen. I just want to get your perspective on this, because, like, growing up in the very Jewish household and, you know, Woody Allen just being, like, the thing within Jewish culture that's just really fascinating for some reason. It's like, I never grew up and understood why. I love that the Jewish community has
2: embraced somebody who completely, like, hates the Jewish religion.
3: Because he's one of us.
2: Yeah, that's it. It's like, eh, you might be
3: atheist, but you're still one of us.
0: Yeah. Eh. Well, we'll just find a week, Mark, where we can just sit down and marathon the entire... I've got a bunch on Blu-ray. That's good. Okay. We we, we can make this happen. I'm I'm happy to go through. I couldn't do it. No? (laughs) I'll pop in and out. I'll
3: be selective about it. So if we do, like, Broadway, Danny Rose, and and then Crimes and Misdemeanors, and then, like, Bolts Over Broadway... Great. those are all gray there, I mean, if he's some, not in
1: it
2: there's a better chance that I'm going to it actually you know what I'll tell you I love him as an actor in the movie that everyone hates but I love Scoop have you guys seen that movie my mother-in-law that's one of her favorite movies dude he is so funny in that movie I quote that I quote him in my life from that movie he's very funny I think it's the last one he acted in actually
0: no no he I mean he, he was in his TV show he did on oh. Amazon but he's but, I mean that was 2002 I think
3: yeah, it was or that pretty was a long late. time with pretty
0: late Scoob, yeah. scoop, yeah.
3: Scoop was 2006, somewhere 2006? in there. Yeah. He's been in I don't know. I was a teen, I was, there, I was there was, a I was a there
0: was a fair stretch between him acting though. Oh, sure. wait, no.
3: Uh, he was in like Fading Gigolo a couple years ago, the one yeah, with Yeah, but John that that wasn't,
0: that wasn't him.
3: No, no. no it was John Turturro directing and then having him play.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Um there but was another one like Paris Manhattan is like a French foreign film and like this girl who's like really obsessed with the Woody Allen films and then he shows up. Like a cameo towards the end. Oh, good for, that's nice of him. Yeah.
0: Uh, I mean, there's a ton. Like, I, I've. I, don't I ask have, me how I know this. No. Don't you laugh
3: at me. Dude. But I have I'm all. Of,
0: you know, I have all of his movies. And I've slowly been able to upgrade the VHSs over as I've been finding the DVDs. And there's a couple I haven't found yet that I'm also like, eh, do I need to find that one? Right. Like, another, <laughs> another, another woman is one where I'm like, eh, I don't know. Never, another, it's just I'm no thing I'm ever going to watch. It's, it's one of the dramas. There's a handful of dramas. I can't say that there's a lot of the dramas that I love. Hmm. I think he's doing interesting things in them, but... Matchpoint? Is that was yeah, uh, no, one of his movies? Yeah, Matchpoint's great.
2: Matchpoint's one of his better world. dramas. You didn't like
1: that movie?
0: I, I did not like Matchpoint.
1: Oof,
2: no. I did.
0: Three
1: different movies rammed together. I didn't like it. Well, I like that
0: movie. There's parts about Matchpoint that I think are really great. It's definitely his best straight drama. Take that for what it is. Oof. I don't want well, to watch any of those other ones then. <laughs> dramas. No, well, that's. I mean, I would. I would say those aren't my. None of the dramas would make my top ten.
1: Right.
0: You know, outside of maybe. Maybe Match Point
2: does. Match, I thought that was not like a hot movie. I thought everything about that was really good. Uh-huh. It's I like movies with a lot of hot sex. Not not like Woody Allen kissing people, but like Jonathan Rhys and Scarlett Johansson. I'm okay with that. The rain scene. Yeah, that's a good scene. Oh, fuck yeah. That's the sexiest he's make ever make been in any of his movies. <laughs> no.
1: No. Oh, wow. There are other movies I could watch for that.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, well,
2: thanks for coming over, gents. <laughs> I like that I managed to work <laughs> in that I like a hot movie. That in that. <laughs> Yeah. We've come full circle. And <laughs> Let's all go to
0: Thanks for joining us for Take the Money and Run. Black Hole Films is a proud member the of the That Shelf, that shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on ThatShelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at lonjeremy and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks.
3: Let's all go to the lobby
1: to get ourselves a treat